raising awareness of the needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements with my wife, Patty. Hello. And we are in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, getting ready to head to Seattle today. Yes, and Coeur d'Alene, I had heard of it before, but I didn't know how much of a neat town it is. There's the lake, there's the river. Seems like there's a lot to do. Yeah, 44,000 people, definitely a tourist town with a huge lake here in the northern panhandle of Idaho. Yeah, and we got to actually eat dinner, quote-unquote, on the lake. Literally, yeah. Cedars Floating Restaurant, which is, we didn't even realize, when I looked it up, I didn't even realize how close it was to the campground, but yeah, half a mile. We could have (laughs) walked. Right, and we watched a seaplane land in... A couple times. A couple of times. That was pretty cool. And there but it's called the boats. floating restaurant because their outdoor dining area literally sits on the water and floats. And we could feel the lake moving up and down. Yeah, it was pretty choppy. Yeah, it really was because it was kind of windy. So the food was if, delicious. If though. you have seasickness, you know, if you're prone to seasickness, do not sit on the outdoor patio at Cedars Restaurant if you're in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And of course, if you know my husband, you know, we had to have an Idaho potato. Yep. We each had baked potatoes. Hey, when you're in Wisconsin, you eat cheese. When you're in Idaho, you eat baked potatoes. Or uh, you eat potatoes. That doesn't break my heart at all. (laughs) All good stuff. But so, Seattle, though, will be Stadium 20. And we will be two-thirds of the way through the Major League Baseball stadiums. Woohoo! Can you believe that? I cannot, actually. I am very excited for it, though. Yeah, we'll both get to see family. You spoke with your cousins on Wednesday. Uh... We're going to be, as we mentioned before on the podcast, we're staying with my cousin Cameron and his wife Jillian and their two daughters, uh, see my Uncle Bruce. We're going to the game on Sunday against the White Sox, and we're running that Refuse to Abuse 5K Saturday. Right, and that is for a great cause, and we'll hopefully live through it. We haven't been training as much as we should be because we're on the road. That's what we're going to blame it on for now anyway. Yeah. I will say, though, the elevation at Yellowstone, I mean, eight, 9,000 feet, and we're hiking around there, that, that, that's kind of like training, right? We did a little bit of running there, so sure. Yeah. Why not? I raced a kid there, remember, down at the <laughs> uh, Cascade Springs at, uh, uh, no, not, what were they called, that uh, Mammoth Hot Springs, what was that uh, one? Canary, right? No, that was somewhere else. Okay. Anyway, raced a kid go, going out there on one of the uh, little walkways and yeah, he was like 11 years old, and, and he kicked my butt. From the San Francisco area, and uh, we talked to his parents. I remember the dad's name was Brett, uh, Brett and Dina. Those were the parents from San Francisco. So if you're listening, guys, hello. Hello. Yeah, and of course, we talked about how great Yellowstone is, and it's a very interesting drive. I didn't see a lot of it because I was busy working or trying to work. Um, it's it's a challenge working from the road. You're driving from Yellowstone to Missoula, Montana, and then Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? I am. And yeah, that drive is, again, like I said, interesting from what I could see of it, but I was busy working both it's of the days we were driving. So very windy and through the mountains. Uh, one thing that I noticed in Butte, Montana, there is a statue called Our Lady of the Rockies, and it sits up on top of one of the mountains 
It is 90 feet tall. It is the fourth tallest statue in the United States. Wow. And, I mean, picture the Jesus statue in Rio de, uh, de Janeiro. Right. That is what Mary looks like up on that mountain with this white marble statue looking over Butte, Montana. You were in the back working, and I was just like, holy cow, what is that? <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, uh, it was amazing to see it was, and completely took me off guard. I was not expecting to see something like that in Butte, Montana. Well, and that's another place I think that I'd but like that to go someday. But Oh, my goodness. This is why I live with, ladies and gentlemen, every day. But anywho, yeah, and it's a challenge for the Wi-Fi going through there. So you just have to make sure you plan ahead for it. And we did stop for a while so that I could have a connection while I was running a call. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just plan ahead to be able to work, do some things offline while you're going through areas like that. Yeah, how do you deal with that? Where, like, like, how do you re remain productive when you don't have a hotspot connection to where you can actually, you know, do some stuff online? Well, again, I, you have things that are on your computer that are somewhat local. You know, things get backed up so that I could work on project plans. I could work on presentations. I could prep for a meeting, you know, while I'm doing that or go through emails, even though... I'm not connected. It's just... Do you give your fellow remote coworkers a heads up that, hey, I'm traveling today. I might not be able to get on this call or something? Where that's necessary, yes. Uh, you mentioned the rest area where we stopped so you could run a call on Wednesday. Well, that was kind of fruitful because not only did you work, I took Holmes out. I It was about 11 o'clock in the morning. I ate my bowl of Cheerios first. And then I took Holmes <laughs> out. And, uh, yeah, packing up, I forgot to eat breakfast on Wednesday. Um, so then when we stopped, I had my cereal, took Holmes out for a walk. And then I went out, you, you were still on your call. And then I went out on a walk all by myself. And we were near the Clark Fork River in western Montana. And we crossed over the Clark Fork a lot because <laughs> it's such a winding river uh, uh, through I-90. But I'm walking through this campground. And, by the way, there is... I've seen them in multiple places, but there are several rest areas in national forests, especially out here in the West, in the Northwest, where there are campgrounds there. And I never knew that. And no, this particular campground near Superior, Montana, I saw one spot, one site that had full hookups. There was an RV in it and a full hookup, sewer, electric, water. I'm like, wow, really? And then I looked to see at the board. To see how much the because it's you really don't book it online. You just kind of like pull in and you pay and then you park or you you park and then you pay. Ten dollars. So, so first come first serve yeah, kind of thing. Ten dollars. That's how much it costs. That's, Ten dollars. That's, that's pretty it. awesome. Just in case you don't know, it's if you're getting a fifty dollar night, you're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. We've had some thirty dollar night. We've had some various prices depending on how yep. long we were staying, but. That's kind of unheard of. Yeah, you know, you, you have your, your RV, but when you stay at an RV park, it's kind of like paying for a, a hotel. So you can expect to pay, on average, about 50 to 60 bucks a night, right? Yeah, because you're paying for the privileges and the amenities that mm -hmm. you get there. Like the Wi-Fi that we're using to upload the podcast. Right, and like the pool that I used while you were watching the All-Star game. Yes, that was in Missoula on Tuesday night. Uh Still in the mountain time zone, but I was not expecting a baseball game to start at 6 o'clock. It, it was a little different, but it was in Washington, D.C. 
stadium we were in April. That was stadium number three, four. That was stadium number four for us this year. Right. And Holmes got to go to that stadium as well. He did. Yeah, it was one of the two Bark in the Park nights we've been to, that in Cincinnati. But like I said, you watched the game. I did not because I went to the pool and then somebody went to watch the game because he thought he was going to be able to watch it in the RV and wasn't able to. Yeah, it was on Fox. Fox, unfortunately, did not come over the antenna for the RV, so I had to go somewhere else to watch it. And I went to a, uh, first I went to uh, just a microbrewery in Missoula. But Montana has this weird law, by the way. Craft breweries can only serve three beers to one person, and then that's it. And they all have to be closed by 8 o'clock. Pete Shaleski would be moving around a lot. Yes, he definitely would be. Our <laughs> friend Pete, the beer connoisseur. Getting his so check-ins on I got untapped. a recommendation from the bartender named Danielle at Highlander Brewing Company in Missoula, Montana. And I went over to a place called Stone of Accord. And um, they had a bartender, this tall, skinny black guy named Podrick, which I immediately thought of Game of Thrones because of, of course. the name Podrick. Where do you hear but that name ever? I know, right? <laughs> uh, he's like, he, And he's like 40 years old, so it's not like he was, you know, some 20-year-old guy whose parents read the book and they were, you know, but yeah, they just named him Podrick. But so then I finished watching the All-Star game there. Um, cool thing about Alex Bregman being of the Houston Astros, and we'll see the Astros. That'll be Stadium 27 for us, uh, kind of on the back end. But Alex Bregman of the Astros was the game MVP. He hit a home run in the 10th inning that gave the American League the a, uh, an 8-6 victory. So he was presented with the Ted Williams MVP award. His grandfather was the general counsel for the Washington Senators at the time when the Senators hired a recently retired Ted Williams as their manager. Oh, that's pretty cool. And his dad... As Alex Bregman said, his dad grew up on Ted Williams' lap. So <laughs> All right. uh, he was just like, for Alex Bregman to get that award and then to look down at, the, at, at that trophy, and it's the Ted Williams MVP trophy, that was really, really special for Alex Bregman. That is neat. And so it sounds like the game itself was pretty interesting as well. I think, I think every run was scored via home run. It set a record for most home runs hit in a game. Yeah, it was 10 total home runs that beat the old record by four. It had been six prior to that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for our teams, the Brewers and the Cardinals, the National League has not won the All-Star game since 2012. No, and I guess it's good that it, it doesn't mean anything anymore, right? They right. tried to make it mean something yeah, for a while. Yeah, they... They did away with that, where the winning team hosted the game one of the World Series. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore because that was a terrible thing. You had uh, it, it should always the the team with the home field advantage in the World Series should always be the team with the best record. And for about ten years, it wasn't that way. Right, and that there was a lot of uproar from fans around that. Oh yeah, I don't think anybody liked that. <laughs> So I'm glad they did away with it, especially since, like you said, so sixth straight year for the American League winning. Yep. But that was the All-Star break. And now now we're we're back to it. Back to it. Games resume tomorrow. Uh, The White Sox will be at Seattle Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Like I said before, we are going to Sunday's game. We don't have to worry about rain in the Northwest because the Mariners have a retractable roof on Safeco Field, so we know there will be a game played, even though the roof 
if it rains, we'll be closed. And I know you won't like that. I'm hoping for an open roof. I know. Of course. Hey, you're, I mean, I think everybody would want an open roof. Right. But then after that, San Francisco and Oakland, and uh, they both are open air as well as San Diego. Um, I think the Diamondbacks, and I know the Texans, or the Texans, I'm, I'm thinking football. You're getting the, ahead of yourself. The in Houston the, Astros, also, they, yeah. have, they have retractable <laughs> roofs. Uh, but Arizona and Houston are the last two places where we will see retractable roofs because Arlington, Texas, Kansas City, and St. Louis are all open air. Right. And again, like I said, I think that's the way baseball should be played, but it is nice to know that you're actually going to get to see the game when it, when you're going. And we really wanted to do something with uh, with some children's organizations in Seattle. Reached out to a couple of them. Uh, Treehouse was one. Mockingbird Society. Both of those organizations came on recommendations from CASA, uh, which is the court-appointed special advocates for foster children. Uh, CASA is headquartered in Seattle. We wanted to have somebody on the podcast from CASA. I'm still trying. I'm still going to try to make that happen. But Treehouse told us they did not have enough notice with about three weeks out um, to get kids to a game. And Mockingbird Society actually had an event planned for this weekend with Pearl Jam. And so I'm like, okay, I, I guess that's a good enough excuse. Right. <laughs> so, but right now we're going to break for this word from Children's Hope Alliance. Did you know there are enough kids in foster care to fill the rosters of almost 1,500 MLB teams and their entire farm systems? We need more foster parents. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn more. Any child should be able to at least go to a foster home and experience the family. After a traumatic past, Briar was fostered and adopted through Children's Hope Alliance. I felt like God chose this place, and I feel like when He opened the door for them being my foster parents, He also opened the door for them being my mom and dad. There are kids right now in your community waiting for someone like you to open their hearts and home. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org slash advocate. In 2014, there were 702,000 cases of reported child maltreatment in the U.S. That's enough to pack Wrigley Field 17 times. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn how to give hope to a child. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Patty, we have 11 stadiums remaining. We have each been to two of the remaining stadiums. Um, we both been to Bush Stadium. Of course. And I have been to Angel Stadium, and you have been to Kauffman Stadium. But you have not been to Angel Stadium, and I have not been to Kauffman Stadium. So of the remaining 11 stadiums, though, and I'm going to eliminate St. Louis because we both, I think, are really looking forward to that because that's going to be stadium number 30 for us this year. Right, and we'll see all of our friends right. and folks, yes. Um, of the other 10 stadiums, which one are you most looking forward to seeing? I think San Diego. Why San Diego? Other than the fact that we'll be there on your birthday. Is San Diego the one that you can go out in the outfield and catch balls out in the... The water? The water. No, that's San Francisco. Okay. San Francisco. (laughs) As I was saying it, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, I know. San Francisco. And and that is mine as well. Um, Not just because we'll be there seeing the Brewers on my birthday. I, but, I I hadn't remembered that that was going to be your birthday. <laughs> yeah, we get to see the Brewers in San Francisco and Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. Um, both of the 
LA stadiums I'm looking forward to seeing too because I've never been to Dodger Stadium. I think of all of the West Coast stadiums, it is kind of like the most iconic. Um, as much as Fenway Park and Wrigley Field mean to the folks in the East and Central, uh, I think Dodger Stadium has that that kind of feel as well. It's the same stadium they've been using since they moved from New York to San Francisco 60 years ago. So I think I, so. I'm looking forward to that one. And then Angel Stadium, I've been to. I went in 1993 when the Brewers were still in the American League and the Astros were in the National League. But uh, I went to that stadium in 93. I saw Robin Yount, one of Robin Yount's last games. And I don't remember much about the stadium. So I think just because kind of like a refresher kind of deal, I'm looking forward to Angels Stadium. And, I mean, Mike Trout and Albert Pujols, two of the greats, play for the Angels. So it'll be really neat to see them. It will be. And I'm also looking forward just to driving down the West Coast and at least getting some time on Highway 1. Yeah, and you mentioned that over dinner on Wednesday, and I told you um, I got bad news for you because I have a feeling most of our driving down the West Coast will probably be on I-5 because we're in the RV. Yeah, whatever. RV schmarvy. Just, we can go. We'll just, you know, we'll make it happen. <laughs> no, I, I think either way it'll be some some fun scenery to see, etc. And I was thinking about it, too. It's interesting that we're at the All-Star break. The season's half over plus, and we've been to 19 stadiums already. That tells you a lot about how concentrated the stadiums are on the east of yeah, east the side of the country. Yeah, the fact that on the back end, we're only hitting 11. Right. Because, uh, heck, I mean, going from Minneapolis to Denver is like 1,200 miles. Going from Denver to Seattle is 1,300 miles, and we made that longer by going to Yellowstone. And then going down the West Coast, I mean, Seattle to, to San Francisco is n- no close distance. No, I was throwing uh, those then, numbers into my spreadsheet and yeah? <laughs> as we were planning out, okay, let's stop after this many hours because we don't want to spend a bunch of... Right, and we are from, when we do leave Seattle on Monday, which we need to do this better, it seems like we do podcast episodes when, on, on days when we uh, are leaving somewhere. I don't think we have much choice. The, the schedule <laughs> but, dictates. Yeah. But when we leave Seattle on Monday, uh, we are going to spend a night near Portland, Oregon, because neither of us have been to Oregon. And then we'll make our way down to San Francisco after spending a couple of nights at Redwood National Fort, or uh, National Park. Looking yeah, forward that, to that. That park looks really fun, too. That RV park looks We're really climb, cool. We're going to climb some trees, right? Yeah, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> yeah, just like I was going to climb those mountains in Yellowstone, right? Right, exactly. And what was that one called? Tough Cliff? Yes, T-U-F-F <laughs> Cliff. And it looked like a tough cliff. I know, right? Um, but, and then we'll get to San Francisco. We're actually going to stay in Vallejo, California, cause it's, uh, and we'll just stay there for both uh, the Niner. Oh, my God, I do football again. For both the Giants and A's. Guys, I was an NFL reporter for nine years, okay? Um, I am going to try to hit some NFL training camps while we're on the West Coast because, uh, heck, the Ravens open training camp today because they're playing in the Hall of Fame game against your Chicago Bears. Yeah, so the Bears should be starting up soon also, right? Yep. Yeah, I think the Bears start this weekend. Uh, The other teams, right around my birthday, I, I like to say my birthday is the indicator that training camps are starting July 27th. It was destiny. But, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to try to hit some NFL training camps while we're on the West Coast. Uh, but like I said, when you hear from us next on Monday, we will be getting ready to leave Seattle 
and heading down the left coast, as the kids say, right? Sure. Do the kids say that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like they should. Yeah. Right. Until then, thank you for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Have a great weekend.